Okay, so it's my great pleasure to uh, welcome Louise Liu to uh, Building New Realities, the Future Visual podcast, where we talk with experts in the XR industry, and as well as talking about specific technical items, we try to find out a bit more about their background, projects they're excited about, and a bit, a bit more about their world uh, wider view. Uh, so welcome, Louise. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Tim. Well, my pleasure. Um, so Louise, at PwC, uh, obviously a, a big company, your head of operations and delivery for VR and AR. So we'll dive into that a little bit more. I thought a good place to start because PwC is one of these companies we're all familiar with, you know, PwC, EY, these kind of big management consultancies. And we're sort of aware that these, they're these big organizations, but perhaps, and speaking personally, we don't really know much what they, what they do beyond being a big organization. So before we dive into your kind of XR department, perhaps you just want to give us a bit of background on, on what PwC do. Yeah, yeah, sure. So yes, PwC is very, very big and they're well known for the accountancy firm. Um, but they do do other things um, such as retail, um, sorry, real estate, um, cyber, uh, risk assurance, um, learning development and so on. So they do quite a lot of other areas as well. They have different teams um, that work in different areas. So we're quite diverse. And you know, the good thing about being in a corporate company like PwC is that you get to learn new skills all the time. You can move around. So when I started in PwC, it was in cyber. So I was doing L&D in cyber, I moved to risk assurance, and then I moved around to help work in the NED, which is the um, high level, board directors level, and so on. And then I found that I really enjoyed technology, which moved me into the disruption team, and then the XR team. So you, can, you do quite a lot of things in there. Right, so it's one of those companies that's sort of very embedded with large organizations and, and can offer employees sort of a, a large range or scope of work. Absolutely, and that's why there are people that actually spend a lot of time in PwC over a few years, 10, 20 years, and um, because they can move around, they can learn new skill sets and develop new areas of what they want to learn and um, grow in that space as well. So they don't have to go to another company to do that. So when was the XR department uh, set up and, uh, and what did it come out of? Did it come out of some kind of existing uh, innovation department? Uh, uh, and what was the sort of temperature or response within PwC? Was it, was, it, um, was it sort of driven internally where you've got people like yourself and Jeremy who are, you know, sort of big enthusiasts or was it a sort of wider response to the market? Um, so we started three years ago, um, just Jerry and myself, and we had one more person join the team. Um, so it came about from the disruption team. So when I joined, my first role in disruption was to work with Jeremy to create a VR experience called City of the Future, which our disruption team used with clients and showed them a, a future where tech, there's a lot of different technologies and what kind of disruptors will affect their businesses and so on. And so from there, we thought, this is a really good tool. This is a technology that we can actually grow and build um, further on its own within PwC. And we sought permission and we got that, which is brilliant. And so that's how we started. And it was internal. We had to start internal because we need to make sure that our people understand the technology and buy into it because how would they sell it to our clients otherwise? So we spent a lot of time promoting it, educating our people and showing them the art of the possible of this tech in soft skills training, for example, in remote collaboration and so on. And from there, we had um, lots of other teams come to us and say, hey, 
this is great. We just saw as gaming, but it's not. You can do this with this, this type of training, for example, soft skills. And um, we've got clients who are interested in that space. Can you help us? Can you build something for our clients and so on? And that's how we came and that's how we grew. And now we're a small team of about 10 people, but we also work globally with our other um, territories, other XR teams. And that's probably about over 100 people globally um, around PwC that deals with that works in the XR space. So that's growing nicely. So presumably your disruption team is sort of used to stress test your customers' businesses and say to them, okay, the, you know, the, let's look at what threats you might not be aware of. I guess on the one hand, it's like, how can you operate more efficiently? But on the other hand, how can you sort of run a drill for threats that you're not aware of? You know, classic one here would be, you know, the blockbuster Netflix example, you know, your other customers yeah. that actually are sort of maybe a bit complacent or a bit like, well, we'll be fine because we've got 10,000 staff and, you know, X billion turnover and then some little startup can come along and kind of flip it on its head. And really funny is that that is one of the examples we use with our clients, the blockbuster Netflix scenario um, as a disruptor, because, you know, they said, oh, we don't need to change our uh, model. Our business model works. It's great. People like our videos, DVDs and so on. But then, why, you know, streaming is not going to work and so on. And then seeing how it kicked off so amazingly with Netflix and they're still growing. I have my Netflix account and that and now Blockbuster is gone. So it's just showing, um, I think it's just bringing those examples forward to say, look, you didn't think this will happen, but it has. So from your business model, how you're growing, how your business works, um, do you think this disruptor or this new technology will affect your business in any way? And how can we help you? you know, bring that into your business, into your business model and help you grow further and so on. So it's just been quite, it's been quite an interesting journey in disruption working with clients because some people saw us, saw it, the technology as quite dystopian. It's really scary. Mm. Um, too much technology. There's no human interaction. Is that, that doesn't sound good to me. I'm a bit worried. I'm a bit scared of that technology and scared of using it. So our role is really to bring that to life, to show what can happen with this technology in their business and just keep calm them down and help them understand it a little bit more. Just, you know, look at the different areas and start, start small basically, and then grow it, grow the confidence and then grow that um, progress as we go along with them in that journey with them. Yeah. I guess having examples like the blockbuster Netflix example is, is quite a nice one for you guys to have in your back pocket. You know, Absolutely. you know, you thought it couldn't happen, but you know, here is a, you know, an incredible example, really included with all great micro stories, of course, where they tried to sell Netflix to blockbuster, which would have been a very smart business move. So absolutely yeah. made your life a bit easier. So what was your background prior to um, starting to work uh, at PwC? Oh gosh, so um, it's quite varied, though. I did a shipping degree. A lot of people were like, what are you doing maritime studies? Like, yeah, so, um, and, I, and they thought I want to go shipping, be a sailor or something of some sort. And I said, no, I actually was interested in international trade. So yeah. my degree had the business angle of it, you see, and um, I did that. But I ended up being a reporter for a shipping magazine. I was my first job. Right. Um, very bizarre. And, um, and it was good fun. I got to see a lot of places, a lot of ships, engines, pistons moving up and down and everything. So, um, so that's quite nice. But what happened was that I actually fell into the design side because it being a small shipping magazine, you were able to actually do editing yourself. I didn't have to go to the design department. And I actually found I enjoyed doing graphic side. I enjoyed doing the website and, mm -hmm. and design side. So I actually moved into that space. 
Um, so my background more is graphic design, web design, the creative side of things. And I think that's how I brought, that's what I'm bringing into VR space, creating um, virtuality experiences, creating web AR experiences and so on. So it, that was really my background. So it's pretty interesting. And I'd never really was interested in VR. I never thought about it until I started doing it and working in that space. And now, you know, that, that passion has grown which is great. And I'm learning on the job. I'm learning, still learning, because there's so much new technology out there. And that's bringing in, bringing it all to life a bit more and really helping, being able to help our clients, help our other teams grow and create something that's so immersive. It's really good fun, actually. And seeing the reaction from people is just amazing. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the wonderful thing about our field is we don't really know where the destination is. Mm. You know, we don't really know where it's going to end up or where it's going to take us uh, so it's so from, from your background you know obviously there's a, a there's a great interest or you know the logistics of uh you know shipping which in itself has become more and more advanced and changed kind of radically uh mm. in terms of containerization and just the efficiencies and 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 and, and even the the, the 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 supply like the, the size of tankers that have been oh, built and therefore nasty. the bidding on um, yes. spaces and how that how that changed to sort of reflect the, uh, the, the economy is really is a really interesting business piece in, in itself it is i mean the size of vessels are so so big now mm -hmm. and it's, it's crazy it's crazy amount of containers um that you can fill up put on a ship and so on and and um, one thing I had to do was actually learn to load the container vessel without breaking it in half. I will actually um, get one of the uh, get one of the containers on, on the tank. Yeah, so well, no, not like that, but more um, working out. Um, in oh right, no, so in practical allocating <laughs> the load. Well, they didn't actually get you on the on the crane. No, it's a shame actually. That would have been quite amazing actually, because I'm probably actually break the ship in half and so on. But um, you know, part of the degree was to do that. So it's quite fun. It's like you know, you do to learn the practical size and and things like that and how to. You make sure you can load an um, uh, oil tank without blowing it up as well because different fuels, you have four pipes yeah. and so on. And I've probably forgotten everything now and so on. Yeah. You tell me to do it now, I've never clue. Well, it just so shows that. you there's a, there's a science in everything, isn't there? And I think you know, where you're starting to go with, the, with what you're doing in VR is obviously the UX, right? We're all students. Mm. We're all beginners in this nascent uh, understanding of, of UX. You know, we're just... Yes making making up the rules and just going well does this feel right and, you know there really is, doesn't feel it? like there's any kind of pro i mean there's some basic protocols in terms of locomotion and some early stuff on crude avatars but we're really at the very 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 beginning of, of what good uh, vr ux looks like absolutely and i feel that you know trial and error really helps we if we have that time to do testing um, just say what plans we do this and actually push the boundaries is very important for us as well when we do when we create our experiences because we think about you know this looks great this is the norm this is what people have but what happens if we do something else can we do it and how can we do it and we really push our developers the team to say okay think outside the box can this be work can we work this in another way can we use this technology in another way and how can we make it much more exciting for the user when they actually enter this experience as well so for us that's what we do we we our team we push the boundaries we push the technology as far as we can and that's what we did with um an experience that we created recently called in my shoes mm. um it's a diversity inclusion experience that we created for um the firm 
and this do we um, use for our internal training for 20,000 of our employees, um, looking at putting the user in the shoes of a person of, of um, a different ethnic minority and putting them through the microaggressions, for example, the issues that they encounter throughout the day in their personal life, as well as work life as well. So being able to do that, that was great. And what we did during, because we had to film this during COVID times, it was really difficult to make sure we had enough social distancing for our actors and the crew and so on. So we chose to use volumetric technology to film this experience. And that was with um, Dimension Studios down in London, South London. And um, in that space, it was just like a two meter circle. And that was it in a green room with 106 cameras. And we can only maximum have two people in that room to be filmed. And that was quite a challenge because our script, we had three characters in that space talking to each other. So what we had to do was film two people, take the recording, put it through an earpiece for the third person. So when the third person went into filming, we had to time it so that they spoke at the same time as when they should speak, speak in the script with pretending that there was actually even two other characters with them in that space. And then we put it all together. So, you know, we were really trying out, you know, and then think about when we had the two videos, how could we get it right to merge them in that one video in that environment that we created. Nice. So that was a, that was, that was a, a good R and D piece then. And yeah. actually sort of solving a problem of, of the distance and um, mm -hmm. COVID situation, yeah. which obviously is, is a high priority. Uh, mm, absolutely. Uh, in a firm like yours, and and you got and you got to play with some some good high end volumetric stuff. Absolutely, and that was like that was quite amazing actually, and that was a big learning curve. And I just feel that with this technology, like you're saying, is it's still as it's been going for a long time, but it's still in its infancy in a way, isn't it? With the technology, so you're learning new things all the time, mm. and you're learning new ways of creating virtuality experiences with the technology that's out there as well, which is quite um, quite a fun thing to do. Well, it's good to hear you mention uh, in my shoes. It sort of leads on to a question around, you know, the sort of, I've got two questions on that really. Um, you know, the product types and experiences you're developing, I understand obviously a, a lot of them will be uh, NDA, but any that mm -hmm. you can talk about and talking about in the context of building new realities, you know, where are you seeing application or interest because you know a future visual traditionally our background has been in high risk high value um, training and it's quite it's quite logical like oh yeah well people can't normally access those type of environments or you can't you know the likelihood of people being around planes when there's a fire or mm. uh you know some kind of life-threatening type of injury is very rare so that makes a lot of sense um yeah. Uh, you know, and that's building a new reality, but building a new reality is sort of around the empathetic piece, which I can see when you're working in large organizations at scale, you know, that really is building a new reality, isn't it? You're, so you're literally mm -hmm. trying to build a new mindset or at least give people an insight, uh, which I guess the output from it is you want to create a conversation. So, you know, a lot of what we've found with VR over the years is that it just allows people to talk after they've been yeah. in, in a way where the sort of the barriers have come down a bit because they've been in an environment that's felt real they're yes. then able to afterwards go oh well you're you're always like that or i always find this in the office or because they feel that they've been in the office mm -hmm. it feels like less challenging to then talk about it um yeah. face to face so yeah i get a couple of questions there like what kind of products other products have you built and and where do you see the sort of the, the interest or the movement in, in building new realities via those products? 
So I would say, yeah, In My Shoes was one of those products, I would say, from there, because um, it actually brought the empathy out on the, in the user. And when majority of the people that we put them through, they came out crying hmm. or they came out really, really quiet and said, look, I just need a few minutes because that was just so immersive. I just felt that I was there and I felt the aggression, I felt the anger and, you know, all that and the, the emotions came out hmm. and so on. And at the end of the day, what we've done is when we put them through the experience, we actually have a debrief with them because it's very important to find out how they felt, what the experience did for them, and for us to really work out how we can we improve that technology or if we're creating something like this again, what do we need to do? What are the other things that we need to think about as well? So for us, um, that type of training was really helpful in bringing out the understanding and helping the mindset, as you say, you definitely of that person think about if they've never accounted these situation of these scenarios what would they do now now that they've been through it they've they've had the feeling they actually feel really hurt by something and so on if they're in that situation again what would you be doing how would you react will it be different and majority of time is when we speak to with these um, these people that work with the users who work with experience it'd be I'd, i actually will think differently now going forward there's no you know before i wouldn't have thought about that because it's something i've never encountered now that I've encountered it, been through it, I was so immersed. I actually felt, it felt so real. Mm. And that's what's important about it. And that's the magic of technology because I had people, you know, the phone's ringing. They actually reached out to pick up the phone mm. and the phone was actually in the experience itself. So, you know, and that was really important because for them, for us, it was like we made something that really was impactful to really make them show some emotions, so um, show how they felt. But also as a, the takeaway was that they were able to think differently going forward, change their perspective, change their attitude towards other people was really important as well. And I think that's what we're trying to show and that's what we're trying to achieve there to actually have that kind of impact is really important for us as well. Yeah, great. Thank you for that insight. Yeah. On that. Are there any other products you can talk about? Um, the emotions are not, but I think um, we're actually looking at um, creating, because I used to work in cyber, and this is something that's come about, um, because a lot of our um, teams come to us and say, look, you know, we can show our clients because they know what this scenario will be like if, you know, they're in a cyber experience, like a ransomware attack. So they, they learn, and we created an experience like that a few years ago for them, where we put the, you were either CEO, CFO, or CISO, and then you mm -hmm. have to make decisions during a cyber attack. Um, ransomware attack. Now, what we're thinking of this time around is flipping it from the eyes of the attacker. So this is quite an interesting one where we want to show, because, you know, the dark web, hackers, no one really knows how that works. No one understands how they do it. How did they get in? What are they thinking? How do they think? Mm. And so on. So what we're doing now is flipping it around to say, okay, we're going to put you, the user, in the role of a hacker. And this is what a hacker would do. And this is how they get into your organization. So we want to change that angle around. And I think, you know, this is quite an interesting one because people think, oh, we need to just do this, call cyber team in. They can implement all these tools and protect us and so on. But how do you know what to protect if you don't know what they're going for and how they're getting in? Mm. So that's what we're working on as well. So that's another experience that we're looking at, they're putting together. Yeah. And that's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds really interesting. Um, and, and so when you're talking to your customers, what sort of, 
sort of time horizons? Are, are, are some of them saying, okay, it's not for us now, but we can see how this like fits in five years, 10 years? I mean, how far out does sort of strategic, mm. I want to say without naming names, the sort of strategic <laughs> conversations sort of tend to go? Yeah, oh, actually it varies so much. So some of our clients, they want it now and now, there and then. They said straight away we want it and so on. And we could easily be kicking off a project a couple of weeks after chatting to them. Right. You know, because they know what they want. But some customers, they don't, they want to do it. They've heard about it, but they don't really know about technology. So what we do is run some sessions with them to just go through the technology itself, the hardware, let them try out the hardware, mm. show the types of software that you can use within those hardware. And then what they do is they naturally think about how they can do this. And so we look at, you know, what their issues are with their organization and we just help them talk about it and say, actually, this particular piece of hardware might work for this because it can do this, this and this. Mm. And so, and that will take a longer process and that could take up to a year maybe or something before they say, actually, we've got something that we want to work on um, and our team's interested, X team's interested, so can you have a chat? So, you know, it, it's different stages. I think um, our clients are all at different stages. So it's just understanding at what stage they're at and how can we help them in that space. Yeah, understood. And what do you find are the, are the sort of greatest technical challenges either in project delivery or in uh, customer communication? Um, technical challenges. Um, for me, a few things, right? So with it being, if we look at, I'm uh, not naming the tech itself, but if you look at some of the um, hardware that we have, how to push the information, how to push that um, across to the device and there are a lot of like device management systems but we find the challenging one is finding ones that actually work really well that cover certain areas and certain companies will have their own ones with their own devices but they might be limited in what we can do so the challenge is um, getting everything to work tightly together in an ecosystem in an ecosystem that works for everything and in PwC we have like you know what we're envisioning at the moment is basically yeah you know when you join you get your mobile phone you get your laptop but what happens if you also get your headset? Wouldn't that be great that, you know, you actually come to work and you get everything like that. And so our challenge is the, um, how to build that into our current IT ecosystem. How can we, you know, they're all on different Androids and so on devices and things like that, but how do we make sure that we can have a good device management system that can push everything to your laptop, your mobile phone, your headset, and then you can just start your job and that's it. We've got that. So, on. so that's our vision. Oh, interesting. I mean, that kind of leads me into, um, do you pay any uh, attention to um, cross-device experiences within your projects or are your customers asking for it? So uh, obviously at Future Visual, we work on multiplayer, multi-device a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, we yeah. focus on making environments accessible, not just from VR, but from mobile, from PC, all mm -hmm. concurrently in the same space together. Um, is that something you guys work on? Is that something your customers have asked for? It hasn't, but it's something that we have been working on. Um, some customers think it's just a VR headset and that's it. But we say, well, we can work on this VR headset, but we can actually work on this other VR headset as well. So when we create our VR experiences, it's not for that one single headset. It's for um, the other headsets, maybe competitive to those headsets. But because we need to think about different countries as well, because certain countries cannot get certain headsets as well. But so when we want to think about doing a global uh, rollout for all our internal um, territories, our internal firms, 
we need to think about where they are and what headsets that they can use. So we think about developing there, but also we need to develop a desktop version as well and so on. So we try to cover a lot of areas as well because we don't want to, you know, just limit it to that and, and that's it because we want to open it to a wider market as well. But will that, also, will that, sorry. sorry, what was that last yeah. sentence? I was just saying also we think about accessibility for our staff as well. You yeah. know, we think about the captions, audio, making sure, you know, we think about that part, that group, those groups of people as well when we do this. Yeah, when, when you make stuff available for PC, is that to be concurrent in the same scene? So we, we, when you've got someone in VR, you've also got someone in PC in there together. Sorry, in what way do you say? Well, if, 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 if uh, you know, let's say I'm in uh, Australia, you're in London, and we're on different headsets, so that's cool. We've taken care yeah. of the different headset angle. But let's say we've got someone in um, Germany on a PC, mm-hmm. and we all want to be in the same scene together. And let's say we've got someone, just for good measure, in France on a mobile. <laughs> the actual mixing together of a PC, a mobile, and two different styles of headsets in the same environment together. We haven't gone that far, actually, to say that, because then that's like the metaverse, isn't it? Well, that's what we build. We should have a chat after the call. We should have a chat. (laughs) Yes, yes, that'd be amazing, actually. It'd be great, because I think, you know, I've been reading on about the metaverse, and at first, when I first heard it and heard about it, I was thinking, what is it? You know, how does it work? Yeah. And, uh, and um, I would like to find out more. I think it's just amazing being able to do that with lots of different devices. And that goes back to when you talk about technical challenges. It's like, how can we make sure that when we have the, you know, our users, our new peop- people that we're on board that join the firm, they have the laptop, the mobile and the headset, can they all three work together? Can you access in, you know, using it, th- any of those devices to meet in the same place? Mm. So I mean, so, I mean yeah. it is a technical challenge. Uh, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Uh, you know, it, it does increase dev time and uh, it makes mm. testing time particularly, uh, I was going to say painful, that's not right. You just, you know, you need to <laughs> allocate more time for testing. But uh, it's, it's part of, because obviously, you know, there's still such little uh, access to VR headsets, you know, so mm. making sure everyone yeah. uh, can get in there at the same time together. Absolutely. Great. But yeah, definitely. We will talk about this offline, I think. Talk yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, can you tell me about a project that changed your approach to your field? Hmm. I mean, and it might be practical, like allow more time for testing, to, you know, check on setup, have better tutorials, make sure someone's there with the clean box, you know, anything kind of. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it could be about the nature of the material or it could just be about kind of protocols around it. To be honest, it was in my shoes, really, um, that changed my approach. Um, But I just feel that um, I think it's because of the time that it was being filmed, you know, COVID and so on. So it just changed, like, I really need to consider certain situations as well when we do this. But to be honest, really, though, uh, my approach is always changing because it's, you know, based on new learnings because you're learning something new every time. So even though we're creating a VR experience, you might be using new technology right so mm. it could be hardware it could be software and so on so everything is constantly evolving you know right and so on so like you know within my shoes you know the volumetric project that's something that's a cha- that's something that was never been done before mm. filming like that and so on and that was a technical challenge mm. and being able to move around it and develop it and being able to create an, a final product was quite a challenge but that was but that was good because i learned a new approach to doing 
creating VR experience and so on. So I just think that, um, yeah, it just changes constantly. I, I think, yeah, I think it, yeah. like we were saying, like so much is new and mm. there's so much that we're aware of, but actually you don't get time to do it. Uh, you know, no. and therefore, you know, yeah, volumetric project, never done one before. So it's like, I know the theory of volumetric, but I've never, you know, shot a dimension studio or I haven't been yeah. involved in comping those kind of files. Um, mm -hmm. So we're, we're all aware of them, but it's when you go through them that you're like, oh, okay, this bit is tricky, this bit, um, yeah yeah and it's it's amazing because like you know when we're doing it i didn't realize you have to tie your hair back and you know you're taping every single piece of clothing down and yeah. certain clothing didn't even work either so suede if you're doing volumetric people wear suede suede shoes works right right <laughs> so that's the colors go for but even black there's certain black you can't use either so right. it's just amazing learning curve and we had to do last minute wardrobe um, purchases because certain clothing didn't work in in the studio. What, what was so, the yeah. what was the what was the no no material? What what really didn't work? Definitely not green light because <laughs> you're in the no green. green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. But I think um, pattern go for solid colors. Don't go for like small flowery patterns on your dress. Like or no, your shirt. no checks either. No mm -hmm. check shirt. No checks. No flat, check flat shirt. plain colors. I'd imagine solid colors like uh, maybe the maroon red or suede works leather could reflect light so go for more matted colors as well yeah but um yeah that summer i literally had so much shopping from asos amazon everything was in right. my room it was in my living room i literally had the whole floor laid out with shoes and clothes and i had to pack them all up and you know drive to the studio because it didn't work so we had to like we had literally a few days and we had to order stuff from amazon asos and get delivery straight away yeah for our actors to put on so that was quite challenging actually so yeah that's good, something that's something they need to issue at, issue at the studio isn't it they need to, uh, <laughs> yeah as well as make sure your hands are clean like these definitely are, yeah um, yeah we had a little scare with one of our actors because she ran to the studio because she was a bit late and you know they do the temperature check and oh, the temperature she was a bit there. hot yeah. So she was a bit worried, like, no, I need to shoot. I'll be fine. I haven't got COVID. I reassure you. And so, look, just calm down, sit here for a bit and just cool down a bit. Maybe you'll be okay. Because it was one of the hottest day in yeah. the summer that right. we were filming this and so on. So, yeah, it was just crazy. It was a crazy day, but it was really good fun. It was really good fun. Excellent. And, and, and sort of, and this might be, you know, uh, outside of the remit of XR and just fall into... You know your more general interests, but you know, kind of what are you cur curious about now? Hmm. Gosh. Um. In general, anything. Could be anything. Anything. So, I. This sounds silly though, but my my child, he's um, quite young. And um, I think for me, because like science is quite important, is quite an interesting, you know, fact. And, you know, when you look at different things as well. And I just try to understand how certain people get hangry, right? Yeah. It's like, it, it sounds weird, right? It's just, it's me a moment. It's just that certain people I know, even myself, I can go for a day without eating and I'll be fine. But what I'm curious about is like, what triggers it? What is it that makes certain people, if they don't eat, they go crazy, they get angry, they get emotional and everything. It's like, what is it? What, what part of the body does that? Is it the brain? Is it the stomach? Is this just, what is it? Right? <laughs> it sounds weird. It, sound, it sounds interesting. Is that because your, your child is um, 
is react it gets hangry so bad he just yeah. and i didn't realize that until a few weeks ago when we were out and he said i'm hungry and i said look, look we'll, we'll eat in a moment will you give me a, you know i'm just doing this let me get done boom that was it crying as i saw literally broke down yeah. And I've never seen that before. I was like, what is going on? Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so I'm curious about that. I'm just, cause like, you know, I think when you do this tech, bringing VR into it, you're taking someone into a, a world that maybe they've never been to, or it's so real that their mind is thinking a different way. So for me, it's like, how does the brain work? I'm really curious about that. I'm really curious about how people react to certain things, how their consciousness work and so on like that. So yeah, so it's quite an interesting thing to think about, but it's also—it's just so people say it's so normal. They're hungry, just need food. But what? What triggers it? Because some people don't need food, and they don't—they don't go hungry, and so on. So yeah, very interesting that. That's 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 a great answer. That's one of the first spe specifically non-technical responses <laughs> I've had to that question. Uh, oh, cool. I think from per personal experience, like it's because our bodies are machines mm. um crudely putting um it, it it can be to do with uh you know food nutrients that get used really quickly so if you have some metabolism as well metabolism and glucose mm, stuff, mm. it can kind of get used really quickly whereas if you've got mm. stuff that has a bit of a sort of longer metabol metabolic uh Great. life yeah. span you yeah. kind of you can you can sort of bump around a bit because kids don't know about your child my child sort of you know tends to eat sugar and pasta you know it's kind of like <laughs> up down up down up down yeah but i'm still going to look into it i think it's i'm just so curious it's like what is it what triggers it so much how easy can that get triggered and yeah i mean the, the, the standard answer i get is just drink more water is it <laughs> not eat food <laughs> not eat food just drink, drink water if, you, if you're hungry <laughs> I'll try that trick. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, just in, in perhaps in terms of your career generally, just help, helpful for people. You know, what do you wish you'd known when, when you'd started out? Oh, gosh. You know, okay, this is a funny one, right? So I think I wish I'd known about standalone headsets was a thing that would become a thing. And right. the reason for this is that when, when I started in VR, I had to lug around a very heavy, case with a tethered VR headset with a gaming laptop with yeah. base stations all the accessories cables HMI cables everything yeah. extensions and everything 22 kg that pedicase case was and to be honest that was a nightmare because even though I managed to get to location you still had to set it up in time and the technology never worked half the time so you're troubleshooting until the very last five seconds before the client comes in before it actually kicks in and starts working yeah. and Oh, I've lost you. That's annoying. So if I hadn't known about standalone headsets will be a thing in a few years' time, I wouldn't have been cursing that penny case as much as I did when I had it. And that's what was, um, that's for me, that's what I would have wished. I, 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 knew I, I, I feel your pain on that one. In some ways, I think that's like the scars of any kind of... <laughs> early XR, uh, in, uh, not going to say evangelist, uh, 
you know any XR enthusiast or mm, um, yeah. we, 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 we all have have got um, bruised ankles from lugging those boxes around So the connection's just going a little bit um, funny, Louise. Mm. I'll just okay. wait till your picture restarts. It's okay. I've got you back now, so it's working, yeah. Oh, it's working for you. Okay. You I'm, I'm just yeah. going to wait for mm -hmm. your uh, end to kick in again. Okay. Yeah, it looks like your picture is... Um, Frozen. Frozen. Oh no. Which is okay because I can save this bit of the recording. Oh, how what's going on here? Yeah. Um, Louise, what I'm going to do is. Mm -hmm. hmm, I tell you what. Let's just finish the conversation here because otherwise, if I stop it, it'll then take ages to record. Um, oh, okay. But we can, just, we can just put notes that your, your video froze and um, just wrap up with a couple more questions. So I'm going to ask you the billboard question because I like it. Uh, <laughs> if you have a billboard with anything on it to help build a new reality, what would it be and why? Oh gosh, okay. Um, it would be, I would say try everything. No. I would have that try everything. I know it's a quote more than anything else but I just feel that you know if you don't try you don't know and, uh, and I think um, I think people need to realize that you know if you don't try it you can think all these things about it but unless you try you don't know and it's like food as well right it's like oh I don't like bananas but have you tried it no I haven't Yes, I, 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 I'm a big in, in agreement with that. And, and my, my sort of pet peeve on that is when people go, oh, I hate so-and-so, normally a celebrity. And it's like, yeah. well, have you ever met them? Um, That's the thing. Yeah. So it's just changing that perception. And I suppose I'm not sure about building a new reality on that one, but I just feel that you could build something new out of it because if you tried it, maybe you could appreciate more and you learn from it. And it could be a new skills that you've got. And mm. it changes the whole your whole life yeah i agree i think that's a I great mean, yeah. a great billboard and the other beauty of it is it's just simple so you can make it nice big and bold definitely definitely cool and in our final two questions i'm going to ask you if you have any favorite theories like i love Sal uh, solomon's paradox which suggests that it's easier to give advice to other people than to oneself oh, that's so true that. isn't it yeah i like that yeah well the funny thing is i was speaking to my son yeah this is my other child um, a few weeks ago and we talked about the mirror effect because what I realized is that when I'm talking to friends or you know I'm talking to someone else I said I just stop and like consciously then realize that oh I've got my hand my head in my hand and they have the same with the right hand like an opposite mirror effect mm -hmm. and I'm just curious about that and what that meant and uh, when I looked it up there's funny things that um, the mirror effect is perceived as yourself as you perceive yourself through the eyes of others yeah and that so i thought ah okay so for example if the other person i suppose like good example an interview right so if that other person in the interviewer, interviewer um, was really happy smiling and so on you'll have a good interview because you feel like you're building that rapport with that person but then if the interviewer was 
really not no eye contact was rude mm. and so on you'll you react the same way when you react in a negative way mm. and so the mirror effect is there yeah and so I like that. that subconsciousness right yeah so yeah but my son was really funny because he said uh, was it the infinite monkey theorem i was like pardon and he was saying about um who is it some programmer he um created a software um based on infinite monkeys um and so he created a, like a loop of a system where they're virtual monkeys there's millions of them and they're programming generating nine characters i think sequences mm -hmm. and if you left it to run for a very 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 long time they could write a script like shakespeare yeah it would take a while though wouldn't it it would take a yeah. while you need yeah. a lot of monkeys i mean it's a big big number so I said that, you know, that can't be a good, that cannot work. And he said, yeah, it might though. If you leave it long, it's like the end of time, probably. Statistically. But, uh, yeah. Statistically. Statistically. <laughs> so yeah, so it, I was like, I'm going to plug that work, in for him. It might, actually, be a, he knows. might be a while. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'm plugging that bit in for him. So he knows that I did think about it and talked about it. So. Nice. Good, good, good to hear his recommendation. And have you got any, have you got any books you would recommend that uh, you've really treasured over the years or that you're reading currently? Um, I think I've got a few, but I think I do have to plug Jeremy Dalton's book, Reality Check. Yep. Um, um, and I think it's how immersive technologies can transform your business because um, I think if anyone wants to know about VR and AR, that is the book to read. Um, not just about how to creating it, how to create an experience and so on, but from a business angle as well. If you want, you're like a startup and you want to learn a bit more about it and you want to be able to build this other business. It's a very good book to read, definitely. And um, I would really recommend that book for you for anyone. And you can get it on Amazon. Well, Louise, it's been, it's been fantastic to talk to you. Uh, thank you for, for giving us an insight into what you get up to at, at PwC. Really interesting. And also interesting to, to hear some of your, your personal story. And, and thank you for those great recommendations. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's been an amazing um, conversation. So can't wait to talk to you more about the metaverse. But um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> nice one. Thanks, Louise. Bye. Thanks. Bye.